0: Gotta love a bit of Alan Tam. Alan Tam, Alan Tam, riding through the snow. Alan Tam, Alan Tam, he has stubbed his toe. Where will he go? Nobody knows. Alan Tam, Alan Tam, he's the man. Most excellent.
1: Welcome to Podcast on Fire on Mummy Dearest and 97 Aces Go Places. We continue to ask ourselves Team Tam, or not Team Tam, as it were. So, welcome again to Podcast on Fire and the Alan Tam crapping hour where we continue to probably unfairly single out, well, it's me mainly, unfairly single out one actor as the one who's ruining films. In reality, he doesn't always, but it tickles us anyway to examine a duo of films each time to make that determination for ourselves if he indeed ruins the film i.e. Team Tam or not Team Tam. So as for the first movie, Mummy Dearest, it's a lesser-known Ronnie Yu movie, director of Fearless and The Bride with White Hair, and hence a lesser-known Alan Tam movie, where he plays a serial killer and it's also a comedy at the same time. Welcome to Hong Kong cinema, people. Uh, it wouldn't have been picked for regular Podcast on Fire coverage, probably, before the crapping hour. Hell yes, it was a uh, an evident pick, a given pick. yeah. And also in the second half, the Aces Go Places formula or franchise comes back for a breath of air in 1997, in 97 Aces Go Places. Is it a breath of fresh air? Well, Alan Tam plays dual roles, so make of that what you will. So we'll see how it fares and how he fares. But with me as always to discuss all things Team Tam or not Team Tam is the head honcho of the website easternfilmfans.co.uk. Phil G, welcome buddy.
0: Good evening, good morning, and welcome. Yes, back for Team Tam or not Team Tam? I love these. These are great. We
1: we we properly review movies. We're a bit cheeky at the same time, but we're yeah. not. Uh, we're not uh, sitting there, as I've said before, doing raspberry sounds as our grades for the <laughs> movies. You know, I, I I I love seeing Alan when he uh, appears with like Kenny B, not me. Does a lot of Facebook Live. And yes. uh, one, like two weeks ago, uh, both of them were out on the town and they were in this uh, bar. And they took over the um, entertainment for the night. Uh, there was a guy singing. I think they had karaoke as well. But uh, Kenny B and Alan Tam sang Bee Gees songs together. And that was wonderful. Because I, I, I love the Bee Gees anyway. And uh, it was wonderful to hear Kenny B sing uh, To Love Somebody. And uh, Alan Tam harmonizing with him. They did they, good man. They harmonize well. I mean, they've been in a band together, the winners. So uh, no yeah. wonder they're 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 a pair of old pros, as uh, Jay uh, Jay told me. So uh, fan of the show, Jay. But uh, the, keep, keep an eye out on Kenny B's web um, Facebook page. Uh, there's bound to turn up some fun Facebook Live stuff, and uh, he always seems to have Alan Tam with him, regardless. Like <laughs> I I'm I'm here too. <laughs> Didn't need to be here. I'm still here anyway. Uh, but uh, let's uh, move on some brief contact information before we review this first movie. This is Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire network. You can find this show and all our other shows. You can make your selection on podcastonfire.com. Just click whatever button seems the most colorful and happiest to you. And make your choice that way. I'm sure that's how it works. And we also do website-exclusive bonus episodes every now and again that uh, you can only access via that website. If you have any questions or thoughts on the BGs Gees, Alan time or can be? Email us. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Follow the handy buttons at the top of our website to our social media, starting with Facebook. That will get you to our page, so leave a like and support. We would love that. And you can also reach the discussion group once you're on Facebook. We post show updates and we discuss upcoming shows and a variety of other things over there. And you can reach our Twitter and our iTunes feed as well. So if you use iTunes... Subscribe to us to have the show delivered to you promptly. Leave a star rating and even a written comment. And finally, Stitcher Radio is the the place where you can stream our shows either online or via the applications available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And I review Alan Tam and Kennedy movies every now and again. On sogoodreviews.com uh, in between my Taiwanese uh, movie reviews, Category 3 movie reviews, and Ninja movie reviews. And I also post small video reviews over at com. and my tweets are at at sogoodreviews. Phil G, throw out a little quick plug for Eastern Film fans.
0: Yeah, so you can find uh, Eastern Film fans on uh, Facebook and Twitter and um, our site www Dot EasternFilmFans.co.uk, and also available on mobile. So yeah, go check it out,
1: and we'll leave all the links in the show post for you to, uh, so you can track uh, track uh, to uh, the other show to a website so uh, you don't need to type it in yourself we have the links ready for you but in the meantime we're going to take a short promo break and after that we'll review the first uh, movie of uh, this episode uh, the first out of the Allentown crapping hour it's Ronnie U's Mummy Dearest from 1985 so sit tight and we'll be back and I'm on cocaine by the way I <laughs> know <laughs> 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 well, you through that like, like... dude 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 I've done it like dozens and dozens of times so. <laughs> like, Son, it's time we have a talk. About what, Dad? Well, son, pretty soon you want to look at naked girls. Some movies have lots of naked girls and things that make you feel strange. Mmm, like Sasha Grey videos? <laughs> oh, you've got to start off slow, son. Save the triple penetration gangbangs for when you get bold and miserable. Savor the sight of the bare breasts from a bygone era before they were a Google away. Supper time, you two. And remember, no incestuous ruffies or rapey pink films until after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the Trashy Trio. Covering Euro sleaze, Japanese pink films, American roughies, or any other sordid entertainment that comes their way. The Trashy Trio. A podcast to listen to while alone. With headphones on. Probably in your closet. Under some covers. And welcome back in the first review for this episode is Mummy Dearest from 1985, directed by and plot Short and sweet for my review of the film, Alan Tam is the devoted son uh, with the requisite psychologically abusive past that's now taken out his f- frustration via murder, albeit accidental murder at first. All mother connected so to say I e. Mummy dearest a friend of mine said that uh when i i, I told her like on snapchat like i'm reviewing Mummy dearest oh the marlon brando thing or like the relative of marlon brando but nope <laughs> it's alan Tam. <time. laughs> like oh okay but uh regardless it's not that movie it's this movie and what did you think in short of Mummy dearest phil G.
0: you know it's a mixed bag i was quite surprised i hadn't come across it in the uh, catalog of uh of Hong Kong movies, Run of You again directing. I do like a Run of You movie. Mm-hmm. Alan Tam in something different. It's quirky. It's very quirky. It's it's definitely quirky. I'm undecided. I have to say, but yeah, it's it's one you should dig out and watch. I think. But like I say, as we go through it, there are some there are some really great scenes within the with the whole movie. But like I say, it, it jumps between comedy and psychological and. Horror and drama, and it's a mixed match of everything. But you know what? It was definitely one I was looking forward to watching.
1: Okay, good that it paid off, sort of, because I kind of agree. I I would have preferred a more full on psychological serial killer drama because I like those parts better. Yeah. yeah. But Ronnie, you adds light touches that, like, they make sense for Hong Kong cinema. They they are mildly questionable, but sort of okay. But, you know, it's possible, but I enjoy any dark touch. And Tam's darker playful performance i quite like there's quirks in that that i think will yes. work the best um and in terms of like uh, when you tally it up like uh, something new for him and therefore i'm team time for for this performance i quite uh, quite liked it so you don't know really what the movie is gonna do necessarily it's a little bit um, out of the box for hong kong cinema so we initially get a big old psychological exposition dump He's talking about, I'm um, the best in my class, I have um, a high IQ, I have no intellectual opponents, and he's on the psychology uh, therapist couch. Broody. Serious looking term But I always said that I prefer him in more serious roles, right? He, he's got the face for it, I think, to play darker roles, gangster roles, and, uh, you know, slightly more evil roles. Uh, like, look at Dragon Family. It's one of my favorites uh, uh, because he, he 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 wears it well. But you know the character seems to focus on because he breaks down the psychologist. You know he reveals the psychologist to be a sham. So he he's effective at like revealing the p- peeling the exteriors of people and revealing them in the case of the psychologist to be uh, to be a uh, sham and uh, just in it for the money. So he's best at breaking down people as well but also Phil G what is he best at he's the best at computers right he's yes. the best at competitive cycling <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah we need to get back to that cycling at the end of this at some point because I'm, I'm just oh, bizarre that was just it bizarre.
1: was really like they're making a, an Alan Tan superhero serial killer here because he's the best at everything and yeah he's uh,
0: the best at everything Yeah. and the
1: opening montage for, for the credits uh, show off this I mean how is that I mean was that sort of like okay I don't know what the movie's doing necessarily, I don't know if it's going to be dark, but what do you think when they, they write that character of Alan Tam, like a super invincible character in terms of intellectual? intellectual like he has no intellectual opponents like, I guess I'm asking, is this a good role for Tam? Like Does he pull this off? Like Does he flow with this uh, quirky character too?
0: Yeah, he does because that's the kind of thing that Alan Tam. That's what he should be doing. These quirkies, rather than the the comedy or the he, he he brings some kind of element. It's like my god, act man, and he's like, oh yes, he is. He is actually playing these dual personalities, this multi personality um, character, and that's what he's good at. That he can turn and he can turn his hand to comedy, and we know that. But he's got this other side, and he does play it well, because we've seen it in Dragon Family and we see it in Mommy Dearest, and if you were like me going into the film, you didn't know much about it, you just know it's a bit different, it's a bit darker, he plays the role really well. And I couldn't see anybody else playing that role as such. I mean, perhaps you could do, but actually, I think he fits the role quite well. Yeah, it, it's
1: welcome. It's really welcome. And also the whole movie isn't a big commercial tired formula either. Uh, it's from Cinema City, but it's not... Uh like the umpteenth Cinema City movie of this kind that we got oh. uh, so I I quite like that and uh you know the psychological portrayal, portrayal uh, you know it, it's okay it's sort of standard movie stuff you know he's devoted to his mother there's been some stuff in the past and uh, he's got a, he's got a current girlfriend and uh, you know, there's a surrounding theme of forming a family, and maybe he's going to be pressured to the brink and all of that. So it's there. It's not deeply examined, I'd say, no. but it's there. But I like the initial scene where it really pushes the darkness well, and I wish there was more of that. The scene in the nightclub where typo Po is... Um, I don't like this, but I like the scene. <laughs> he's beating up this um, transvestite prostitute, right? And you know what happens? Where, you know, Alan Tam follows him, and eventually, yeah. uh, eventually, there's the manslaughter in the in the bathroom. So he's out to right wrongs. It seems you know anything connected to mother and motherhood. Jeff, he uh, because he sees that as you, you, may, maybe that was it. Uh, like Tai uh, Po was beating up his actual you know father, mother, or if you will, your own mother father, and, and that's his trigger.
0: Yeah, and then, yeah, it kind of, it's it's very, you you quickly get into it, so if, if you're a newbie coming into this film like I was, the title's Mummy Dearest, so you kind of get the hint from that, but that obviously opening scene kind of nails it then, you understand his psychological as a character, what he's thinking, and it's about, and how the story's going to be driven from there, so it's it's clever in what it's done, because it opens that up then, so it's like you've got the, it's like you cover of the book, and you open it up, and you read in the back, and you get the synopsis of what it is. That sets sets the film up quite nicely for me as an opening scene to understand what the character is and what it's going to be about as a as a film in itself.
1: But but then when it sort of closes up, that first uh, okay, now we know this character is not well in the head with with the bathroom scene and uh, mm. and the manslaughter. Like, uh, what do you think of that? Both as for for the movie, or and like uh, as a minor action scene
0: yeah so a minor actually scene, it was good but it's it's all of a sudden it's like' like wow all of a sudden it's you know it's uh, it's bloody and it's brutal and it kind of hits you on the face because the opening scene quite quirky you think it's quite dark and brooding but it's not there's a comedy element to it but then when you come to that scene it is it's quite dark and you get that you know psychological kind of horror thriller to it and stuff and all of a sudden it's like oh this is this is now really interesting this is you know and, and it's a decent action scene for what you kind of categorise for this kind of movie? So
1: it's a decent little ball from Tussle, and uh, yeah. at one point, I mean, it's not typo that he follows at this point; It's um, it's, um a junkie that is following. And at one point, the junkie like shoves the. Needle into Alan Tam's leg, and that was like
0: Jesus. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was, is hardcore. That's gonna hurt. That's gonna, hurt. That's gonna <laughs> hurt,
1: and that's gonna make him sick for heaven's sake. Because I, I think he shot up at that point, uh, <laughs> possibly already. And if not, then there's you know, a heroin or whatever it is in the syringe in there. I mean, there's no there's no ever particular background why he's decided to go on this path. But sometimes feel it's hard to map out, even in movies and in real life, like this perfect map how. Murderous psychos are born. They can come come from anywhere. That'd be a
0: whole different movie, wouldn't it? This is this is you've you've gone into the story of his life at at chapter fifteen, and this is just the way he is now. And there's background further in the the back end of the film that kind of fills in some of those blanks. But you get what his trait is and that character and, and what he's about just from that opening scene, and obviously being rather unstable. Um, but he, but it sets it up. It sets the scene quite nicely, and like I say, it is quite brutal as well. And as a as a small you know fight scene and stuff, it's uh, it's decent.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you don't need to have a twenty minute thing for uh, such an action scene to be no. effective. So I very much agree. I think initially, Ronnie U. the sees very well. There's some strong transitions between scenes as you know the investigation starts. We have a police officers, and uh, we, he, he does call into a police station saying that I didn't kill that guy, it was self-defense. But he's obviously not a saint though, he targeted that guy. And uh, I also want to say as great as uh, Alan Tam's character is uh, at the, you know, computers and competitive bicycling, he also uh, walks fast really well. You know when he follows him in the in the alleyways, like, <laughs> like he's he's the best at that too.
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> the best at that. Yeah, walking fast, is really good at that.
1: <laughs> but I, I I think he's really good at performing the, like the conviction of his like beliefs in terms of like I I need to target these guys. They they're not respectful towards parents or whatever. His uh, his frustration and the way he threatens uh, various characters and his confidence as a character. Because uh he even you no, know, he interacts with the cops throughout the movie and he's not particularly worried about getting caught. Uh you know, the scene in the hospital as well is a is a fun experiment where it really goes quirky though. And uh yeah, I think you might lose some viewers with this. I wasn't entirely sure that Ronnie Yu is doing the correct thing here but it's yeah. all like the horror angle is there with poorly lit uh, hallways and the flickering fluorescent lights and uh, at one point you know alan Tans character drags someone through the hallway you know uh, someone who's passed out but there's also goofy incapable cops here what does that do for the movie does it do any good for the movie or does it derail the movie by having completely goofy incapable cops here
0: and the, yeah and that's that's the thing isn't it because if you played it as a as a straight kind of psychological thriller, so we say, is it would have come off better. But because it's kind of this quirky mix match and you've got this kind of comedy element layered over the top, you lose those good scenes like those darkened hallways and those, that atmosphere. And like I say, the body's being dragged. And if you left it straight, that would be, that would be an impact. But then you've got the, the bumbling cops and the comedic routine. And it kind of detracts away from the good stuff in the movie. That you know, he shouldn't. They should have played it straight. But you know, this is it is a mixed bag. This is what you're going to get with this movie, and you know, I, I think it detracts from the from the whole scene. But,
1: I agree, even though it's not broad like we usually no. uh, are are used to, because uh, I think quirky is uh, is the good um, is the good term. You, it's still not like uh, really. I mean. Can't it just be dark? I mean, he was good at that. Like, why don't you... Okay, fine. Let, let's move on. It's not a long movie either, but I, I, I like that you like argues that Alan Tam's character is so intelligent he can get into the hospital, he can execute this perfect plan in terms of uh, you know dressing up as a nurse, hiding in the, uh, the mortuary, and just knowing that at one point they're not going to dare to view each and every corpse because the cops are such chicken shits, right? <laughs> so, you know, they pull off the covers and there's Alan Tam looking perfectly pleased that he's there. I, she, he just knows that they're not going to open their eyes.
0: They're not going to look, yeah. That, I mean, that's part and the character traits that, you know, he's highly intelligent. He knows what they're going to do their every move. He's never going to get caught because, you know, he, he, and they're the, just the bumbling cops, the keystone cops.
1: It's the kind of spooky... I, I was reminded of the spooky encounters gag where Lam Ching-Ying looks into a coffin where Sammo is in, and Lam Ching-Ying, as the great cop in Spooking Encounters, he uh, he closes his eyes, and then tells his man, like, oh, that was a disgusting corpse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Alan Tam's character, I guess it's fun that he's so great and so perfect at executing everything, so... Uh, but the movie now turns to bringing in this quirky advisor on the case, the Bill Tung character. Mm. And now Ron Yu has switched gears, which I think... Is possible, sometimes perfectly dopey. But I don't like this part of the movie as much, really. It's a bit damaging to the tone. I wanted the mood to be like, give me something brutal for 90 minutes. I wouldn't have minded. And you were sort of on that path. Yeah. So I it's possible. I'm sort of neutral towards it. I, I, I like Bill Tung. But uh, by now, Phil, I think, and I was wondering what you think, it resembles more of a standard, cheap Hong Kong movie that relies on light banter and some comedy, you know.
0: Oh, god, and and, and it is just packed to the brim, full of it. Yeah, and it, it cheapens the whole thing. You you want it to be dark and brooding, as you say, and it, and it doesn't. It goes off course. It just becomes, you know, one of the the usual standard fare with comedic tones all over it. And it's not all kind of the final third where he brings it back into that where you want to see it but yeah it doesn't it doesn't really work and you're kind of yawning your way through it going you know you expected something better you expected more than this but you know they have just you're trying to be too clever with the genres and I'm, I'm all for experimental movies and trying but if you if you're gonna do something stick on stick on the one path you can do light touches of other genres in there but when you're mixing it this much it does it it just doesn't it doesn't gel
1: Whenever they sort of switch back to examining a little bit of Alan Tam's psychological profile, that's all good. And he, uh. he's he's absolutely thoroughly acceptable in the role. He doesn't go all psycho screaming broad on us. You know, he has his outbursts, but it's quite contained. I mean, the, the scene where he's having a dinner with uh, his girlfriend's parents and they're talking about, you know, their new life and their relationship and marriage means that you only occasionally have your mother in your life now and he snaps in that scene not in a big way it's quite contained which i like he 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 literally said uh, julie which is her name julie will will rank second after my mother like you that, that that's it there's there's no other way like does anyone else live their life like that she doesn't necessarily think that way but he's convinced his mother that is but he's convinced probably by now that this is what i got to do and if anything's wrong, if I think anything's wrong, then then I gotta take care of it. I go on this you know uh part serial killer path uh, um so so yeah th- th- that's all good i mean it's it's I guess it's interesting too that Bill Tong and Alan Tam have several meetings face to face, and Bill Tong essentially knows that that's the guy, but he yeah, can not yeah. catch him, and Alan Tam is so confident that I can have a meeting face to face my intelligence is high like i I can like chess I can foresee. Several moves ahead and meeting him in a bar or whatever, not a problem. That's you know, i am not gonna be taken away because of that. So, that's an interesting angle. But even with that angle, I wanted something just darker and more thriller in tone, rather than like them playing with each other in a quirky manner. You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the, the sentiments there and exactly with the chess match because that's what it is. Got chess matches one on one. It's about. Knowing the future moves and stuff, and who's better than the other, so it's a good idea to do that. But you, you got to frame the scene right, and again, it, it's again it's quirky. I'm going to keep using quirky. Yeah, I agree. It's too quirky. It should be more psychological. It should be more thrilling. It should be more, you know, and and focus on that scene because it's it's the cop and it, it's it's the cops and robbers. It's, it's the psychological misfit, and you want to put them adversaries together. It would be a brilliant you could make this into a brilliant remake. Hollywood could do this justice, this film. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea and make it dark and brooding. I can I could just see it now. It could be absolutely brilliant. It's a great concept. It just loses its footholds occasionally in what he's trying to do. But it's yeah. it's kind of all there. If you strip the comedy away, it's it's all there. And there are scenes that are are really good. And that's why I kind of enjoyed the movie I'm, I'm i'm team tam on this one absolutely definitely team tam it's just a shame that Ronnie, you just went overboard with the different genres and threw that in because there are scenes there that you know do make this movie
1: and you you're very right that one of my favorite scenes is where uh, not favorite but it's a good good scene where uh, bill Tonga has set up a situation in the bar where he's set up a fight between a son and his mother uh, because he knows that that's gonna get him that's going to get him to go like, so I'm going to kill you now. But Alan Tan sees through that. That's all the setup. Like, I'm cool with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the cops stand up. I mean, it did chuckle, don't get me wrong. You know, literally, you know, he, he does the uh, blocking uh, signal and stuff and literally everything. Yeah,
1: where did that gadget come from? Yeah. And I, I love that in a way. Like, of course he's got a gadget that will, that yeah. will disrupt recorders. Like, he's a Q killing machine right like like if uh, if uh, james bond's q <laughs> felt the need to like i'm gonna kill some people well i have the gadgets to, to to make things flow well so yeah and um by the way just as a minor aside any way to get bill tongue and a horse in a movie that's probably makes him very happy and and, and i don't mean that in a weird way you know bill tongue has uh, you know he, he, he lived his life you know um uh, you know, he had horses in a stable and uh, competed and uh, was a horse commentator on TV and stuff like that. So it's just like, built on likes horses. Let's put him in a horse in a movie. That's quirky.
0: That's, it's great. But you just could see it. This is obviously when, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pick One has that dream and she dreams about this. She um, says, I've, I've had this dream about this man, you know, in a white suit riding a horse with roses and stuff. And she wakes up, oh, it was just a dream. And you just know it. It, it, it was, I just knew what was coming next so when he's on the horse and his white suit and stuff with the roses I was like oh my god I just knew that was coming yeah. you know <laughs> you, you just when you watch that many Hong Kong movies you just know what's going to happen it's telegraphed a million miles off but I didn't expect to see it but what I did I mean I chuckled for the all the wrong reasons but at that point you'd already you've accepted the fact that this isn't going to be a straight up psychological horror film it's going to be like so you either embrace it or you, you hit the stop button, I'm not going to. I had to embrace it, uh, you know, and I did. So, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean,
1: indeed, it is possible. It was short and possible. And the continuation of uh, Bill Tung infiltrating the Alan Town character's life and environment by chatting up his mother and things like that, and you have scenes where they are with Tam's mother and they're sizing each other up but they can't reveal you know, he obviously can't reveal that he's a, a cop and but possibly my favorite scene in terms of a little bit of like slightly quirky but also fairly chilling is the scene where Alatama said don't meet him ever again like referring to Bill Tung's character he's a sex maniac, he's a pervert yeah. so she, so whenever he comes back there the next day, hi, you want to do something, you're a sex maniac, you're a pervert it, or, or it's either it might be the scene before where they exit after having spent time uh, the evening or uh, together, the trio. But when Bill Tong falls, almost falls down into the elevator shaft. Yeah. And that, that worked for me because it's a possibly rigged elevator by uber intelligent mm. Alan Tam, and he sits there and says, Well, the, 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 it's out of order, be careful. And he pulls him up and Bill Tung is just shocked. And he's got like black stuff all over his face because he's uh, been holding on to uh, the wires and stuff. I thought that was a nice mix of chilling and but all the time playing it. So super, gotta be careful, man. Yeah, and that, that worked. I think that was yeah. a good example. It's a shame the movie doesn't like increase the gear and just goes for shock value. As the movie draws to an end, like it really didn't do that. we get like romantic mon- montages of uh, of elderly romance, which is not not a bad thing but i i i think there was so little i wanted more tension i wanted to grip the movie harder into like I wanted to attach to that darkness, and it was really not uh, Dark to the level that I wanted to see. I mean, yeah. you have different viewers and different tastes and all of that. But when, whenever he starts to examine even slightly the what goes on in Alain's head, that's all interesting. I mean, he even has oral conversations to himself, you know, in his head, which is also visualized uh, in front of him, you know, in, in cuts, and that requires nonverbal reactions of terror from his face, from Alain's face, because he knows mummy is slipping away. That psychologically, psychology is all standard stuff, man. But it is the more compelling part because he doesn't... He's talented enough where Slash may be reeled in, who knows. So Ronnie Yu is talented enough to know that you can underplay this stuff. You don't need to over, over-exaggerate over it just because we're Hong Kong cinema and everything needs to be big and broad. If someone is a serial killer and a psycho, they don't need to be like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: I mean, it's a it's an unfair comparison, and spoilers if you haven't seen seven. But you know the way Kevin Spacey plays uh. the killer in that one perfectly calm. Uh, it just sort of brought, uh, brought that memory back. Like that can be scary too. And uh, I think yeah, Alan Tam is uh, is uh, doing a good job. There's a great scene where Bill Tung's mother is in danger, and uh, she's armed herself with a rifle. You know, and someone is banging on the door, and that intense like cutting back and forth as you know she's probably going to shoot she's probably going to shoot her own son and boom something happens i won't spoil it and and that was nice like tension back and forth like
0: uh, that so, was one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. um absolutely uh, in that whole film probably quite it remind me a little bit hitchcock-ish kind of thing they surprise me sometimes with these films with something like with the film that it was because that kind of brings it back the film to, like, on the Team Tam side. Well, I'm not Team Tam, I'm Team Tam, but the the film itself, I quite enjoyed it. Again, that scene, I quite enjoyed the way it's played out, the music, the lighting, the way it's set up. Uh, is it you know, is she going to shoot? Not, you know. And that, that was a great little scene. It reminds me of those scenes that pop into your head. I'll always remember Mummy Davis for that scene, particularly, because I like the way it was constructed, much like Police Story 2 when... um Jackie Chan walks into the mall and he's in slow motion. Is the bomb going to go off? Oh, yeah, that the, the, ball, with the ball thing. Yeah. yeah, the ball thing. That is awesome. That 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 is just brilliant. It, it just elevates it, puts a little more points up on the uh, how good is this movie. Because I love that scene. And, again, that scene I love. If you can get through all the quickiness and all that to get to that scene, it's it's worth And
1: And also the twist that happens, which is a lighter twist, actually yeah. makes Thorough sense because yeah, I I know that something was going on. Yeah. Like uh, if you watch the shots and there's no definite like what happened, thing you just know that it's part of possibly part of the game they're playing to lure in him and actually build a case. And uh, we, without spoiling it, I thought um, um, maybe this will remind you anyway. The way they send Dalantam out with some dignity. Yes. Which was a nice dramatic touch. Again, everybody sort of playing it rather than like, <laughs> 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 like melodrama usually you know is constructed in Hong Kong cinema, but not at all. Like underplaying a lot of stuff. He's good at underplaying. Ronnie is certainly talented enough to, to echo that. And Cinema City they were a varied enough uh, pr- uh, you know production entity, where their thing wasn't just. John Woo stuff from 86 and onwards or Choi Hack style comedies from all the wrong clues and onwards or whatever, like they they did a variety of different movies. And uh, I, I was just hoping that it would have been uh, one movie instead of those two movies.
0: Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I enjoyed the way it was set up in the end. And that's what I mean. It, it's fragmented as a movie because, you know, opening scene um, towards the end, the final scene, there's some good, there's some good shots in there and, you know, you could set it up for, uh, a mommy dearest, too, or you know, you could call the sequel "Daddy Dearest." Who knows? But um, or maybe not, if you see the background on it. But yeah, it was nice the way they 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 finished the movie. That was a nice touch because a lot of these that they, they end up being. You know, all of a sudden the movie ends, and and that's it. But it was a nice touch, the ending. So yeah, that worked really well.
1: And no freeze frame style ending akin to millions of other movies, yeah. like like in the second movie we're going to talk of in this uh-huh. episode. They have a freeze frame ending, but they play a little bit more with that. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. uh, so yeah, it's it, it sort of it's sort of okay. I mean, if you're interested in pursuing. More Alan Tam movies beyond the ones we've talked of. If you're interested in Ronnie you then definitely give it a whirl if you can find it because it's it's a like 85, 87 minute movie, very short, and uh, it uh, gives further confirmation that uh, like we have seared in on the things Alan Tam should concern himself with because there's genuine talent there, and uh, like a romantic lead, never bought it. Comedically, sometimes. But when more real, in, more broody, serious, essentially, by default, rather interesting. That's the end of my notes, buddy. Uh, anything else you want to say?
0: Well, you know, when we watch these Alan Tam movies, for some strange reason, we seem to come up with songs. Well, I don't know why. I have actually got a song for, for this one that popped into my head while I was watching a certain scene in the movie. So for you, I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, rendition. Me. Yeah, serenade I'm going to serenade you. So um, <laughs> here we go. Alan Tam just killed a man. <laughs> Smashed him in the head. Flushed him in the toilet. Now he's dead. Mama. Mama <laughs> hey, Mia, Mama it Mia. It's good. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Who knew? There you go, Alan Tam. Mama Mia,
1: him let, let him go. <laughs>
0: Oh boy. Mama just killed him, man. Thank you very
1: much. Yeah, there we are. That's a way, good way to send us out for, for this half <laughs> of the show. Uh, boy, boy, boy. But as for availability, it was issued on VCD by Deltamac and Joy Sales. Uh, and the latter also handled the DVD for the Legendary Collection line. All unfortunately listed as out of stock and possibly out of print currently, but it's been it's been out there, so I'll try and find it. And uh, even if even if VCD only, these VCDs were from Fortune Star actually, they they were quite alright uh, for, uh, for for the format and all of that. And proper widescreen and stuff, so uh, you you can't go wrong if that's your only option, in my opinion. Let's uh, take a musical break then and listen to the updated theme to um to Ace's Go Places as played in '97 aces go places from guess what year it's from <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, like 97 aces go places from 2005 like it was a bit delayed guys <laughs> no no but they uh, will look at the updated formula and see if it works or not and uh, this one features alan tam and tony long 2i so uh, we'll uh, let you know how it works and uh, maybe talk a little bit about our like or dislike of the aces go places series I, I think i've never really quizzed you on that i mean i'm a fan but uh, We'll talk about that after the musical break, so see you after it, and hum along to the to the wonderful old Sam Hoy theme. Smashed <laughs> him in the head, <laughs> placed him in the toilet,
0: now he's dead.
1: Simultaneously, Yosem V.A. has got Places song, but with those lyrics instead. Yeah, exactly. He smashed his head in, <laughs> in the toilet, now he's dead, and very, very dead, but we're moving on now to a quirky scene starring Bill Tung.
0: That was good. That was good, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. That's That's
1: how we roll here. But sit tight and uh, we'll be right back. And welcome back, and the second review of this episode is 97 Aces Go places from 1997, as we talked about them. Plot from the Love HK Film review of the film. Eternal 25 year old Alan Tam is a wimpy triad boss who must avenge his dad because he had a heart attack after losing at cards to a pretty cat burglar, played by Christy Chung. For help, he enlists Drunk Shooter, played by Tony Leung Chiu Wai, Hong Kong's ace gunman. Problem. Christy ripped off wacky trier boss Francis mm, so he wants her too. Even worse, Alan Tam just doesn't want to kill Christy because she's too damn beautiful. Hijinks and Sue. Very fair plot, I'd say. <laughs> uh all right buddy. A quick opinion of ninety seven of Places from 1997
0: why? Why why would you do it? I confession time actually. I think I've only seen one or two of the original films. I've seen Terry Carter hits because I had a fad on. Oh, I need to see everything with Conan Lee. In.
1: That will be uh, the fifth one.
0: Yeah, the fifth one. Yeah, Terry Carter hits, which obviously is is not the greatest of the series, I believe. And then I think I've watched the first and maybe the second, but it was that long ago.
1: Do you remember if the Do you remember the, if you saw the movie where they had little RC control cars that exploded for the ending? Like, no. a, like a radio control cars. Okay, do you remember if it had uh, robots?
0: Robots, yes.
1: Might have been a second one. Oh, That's okay. my favourite.
0: <laughs> oh, right, cool, yeah. I remember quite enjoying it because it sticks with me to that extent that I remember the film. But I, I'd, I'd want to revisit it again probably at some point. So I've only seen a couple of them. So when this one came out, I thought, okay, let's 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 have a look and, and see. But it bears no relation, as I recall, to any of the Aces Go places. It certainly doesn't have that gel. It certainly doesn't have the weight of the series. I, you know, like I say, I'm not a you know, I, I don't know them all back to back, but from what I recall it doesn't it doesn't have the same width or the same. It shouldn't be called Aces Go Places. Maybe it shouldn't exist, but that, that's my opinion. Well, it
1: does, so deal with it, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, right by, right by on, buddy. I'll uh, cut you off right there. I agree. It attempts zany, waggy, cartoony, and almost furly fails other than a few successful gags here and there. I mean, if you laugh twice, that's not a success in terms of a final grade. Uh, Tony Long and Alan Tam Banter, occasionally okay. But I agree, why bring back Aces Cisco Places when it doesn't resemble it at all other than on the soundtrack? That's the theme, uh, uh, the, the updated theme. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da. So they bring that back, but it's not the original Sam Hoy sung uh, theme. I do really like the series. Uh, my favorite is 2, my least favorite is 5, uh, but yeah. people do love 5 and that's all fine. I just thought that it's running on empty now, I didn't quite enjoy it as much. Uh, and it uh, was always super admirable. I think you really should revisit it. Cinema City did this big attempt at bringing in a bigger action spectacle feel, bringing in international crew to stage this spectacle. It had, as Paul Fox discussed, various cultural references, not just James Bond. It could be argued that there's some loop in the III in there from Japan as well. And the chemistry between the three, three leads, you know, Samhoi Kolmaka, Sylvia Chang, all was reference stuff, man. It was so fun seeing them verbally, you know, tackle each other, but it was not, you know, visually cartoony as such. It had something to do with the chemistry at hand, the big spectacle. You know, by free, there's an opening uh, sequence in Paris where Sam Hoy faces off against hold on to your hold on to your panzer Richard Keel of, of James Bond fame Yay. and it's called Our Man from Bond Street so it, now it's all uh, and even Peter Graves uh, uh, airplane and uh, the, uh, the impossible impossible Mission series or Mission Impossible series turns up as well. so now they bring in this international feel fourth one Ringolam Lamb directed, the darkest one. It's still Aces Go places, but there's some dark stuff in there, man. Yeah. So it, there, there's some different flavor. But Lao Gaolong directed fifth one. Yeah, yeah. It has every opportunity to be um, successful, and I, I love the cast, including Conan Lee. I mean, it's a great fun to see him. I just didn't think it was as fun as it used to be. So I'm glad they stopped. Mind you, all of them were hits. Yeah. All of them. Like, like Sam Hoy and Karl Makka, Sylvia Chang, of course. And the whole concept—it always had staying power. But Cinema City, by by 1989, they were a year or two away from closing shops. So uh, you know they might have had a six-one plan, six-one plan. But uh, you know uh, history shows that uh, movies like uh, The Raid, I think Choi uh, uh, Huck produced one, was yeah. one of the reasons why. Uh, but I'm thinking of another movie as well. But they 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 had. One or two flops on their hands and that sunk them just like DMB had like flops with the black cat movies mm-hmm. it like great intentions and Black Cat 2 in particular is actually great, but it just didn't play well and um, that um, financially they just uh, yeah, they just didn't bring that back. But anyway let's bring back 97 Aces go places. The humble tune is there of course, as I said uh, but we we, we must as well talk a little bit more about it uh, referencing back to something that seemed to be done. You know, you ask yourself, is that a forced notion? And I think it's evident pretty early that this is a really forced notion. And I have a theory, feel. I don't think this was made as an Aces Go Places movie initially. Because there's nothing there that resembles it other than the song. <laughs> <laughs> and you can add that song afterwards.
0: You probably right. are. That's a, that's a good theory. Yeah, quite possibly. Merely it's a like theory. Saying,
1: I don't know anything about the making of.
0: I'm not an, a massive Aces Go Places fan. I've not seen all the films, but from what I recall, when I watched it, because you think Aces Go Places as a film, and it wasn't. So, it doesn't, like like say, apart from the title and the theme tune, read the theme tune, sing the theme tune, there, there is nothing to resemble it. It's just a marketing ploy, I guess, because we'll call it this, and, you know, hopefully we'll bring the, the punters in. But
1: And, and I, I am all for updating something uh, with a new look, with a new pair of eyes, watching it, but... It, it it just didn't work. I mean, it's so evident early, man. I, there's some wonderful actors here, but they they put in some of the worst work. I think uh, Francisum, <laughs> uh, and I mean, it's dopey, and it's you can laugh as you talk about it. But there's several cases of a couple of gags and visual gags, verbal gags they bring to us that just make you go, okay, <laughs> right. So we, you, we see Francisum and his uh, henchmen. They're not playing guitar hero, but they're playing guitars in the background of the uh, of the boardroom thing there. So he always has the movie themes playing behind him, whether on guitars, plugged in or not plugged in. And character and, and that's sort of like okay. oh okay. And then characters are stupid enough to think it's it's night time because they have glasses on inside. Ah great. Oh boy, we're in trouble. And the repeated gag doesn't even work either because, you know, the henchmen are always playing different kinds of music, as I said. At one point, they're playing the police story theme behind Francism, and everybody's acting like loons, but here's the kicker. I don't feel any confidence by the filmmakers and the actors. They just sort of let's act weird and hope it sticks.
0: Oh, um, yeah, Francism, it was was just completely off the wall. In fact, I mean, it's not the image laughed or laughed at him because it was playing the cave, because it was so off the wall, it was just ludicrous. Like you say, it plays different themes in the background. So it's, oh, I, I know that. Oh, that's Once Upon a Time in China thing. Oh, that's very good. Um, it was kind of that, just because you were trying to find, you were trying to grasp at something to cling on to that was hope. Because I went to film, I had in 97. I used to go play to 97. And, you know, I, I had some hope for it, to a certain extent. Hey, we we are, you know, Alan Tam, Tony it, you know, Francis Chris Chong's and it, there was some hope there, and, you know, and towards the end, you know, Billy Chow pops up now. You know, I love my action. You know, Billy Chow's and it, for God's sake, come on, it's gotta be half decent, hasn't it? No, it hasn't. It struggles, it struggles. You're trying to find those bits you can pull out of it to go, I, I like this. You know, I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. Not because it was an, gonna be an Aces Go Places film and such, I just thought, quality cast, what can go wrong? But...
1: It is actually fairly easy to disconnect it from the original series and just watch it on its own. And it still is not very funny at all. And it's all so forced and off the wall where you just sort of shrug at that. Yeah, no. I guess, but no. I mean, at one point, yeah, everybody trying, is trying to act like a cartoon here, but it doesn't translate very well into quality. I mean, at one point, Francis Um is, is asking the henchman to chase her, you know, Christy Chung, and he elongates his order and does finger gestures in slow motion. Chase her at once, like shaking his finger, like, come on, what are you doing? What is this? Was he left to his own devices, and Ching Carlock, the director, had no idea how to, uh, Francis, uh, uh, you know, you've seen cartoons, right? Yeah. Action. Uh, uh, cut, print, moving on. (laughs) It's, it's (laughs) all, because he's a wonderful actor, Francis, and he can be a wonderful comedic actor, but it's all, even the greatest one needs to be backed by some kind of confidence and, uh, material. Yeah. Uh, in, in the, and I guess the switch, the switch to like a female Sam Hoy being, you know, a burglar, and Sam Hoy was a burglar in the movies, like, the, and Christy Chung therefore has that role. All good stuff, man. That, that's a compelling idea, and she is not bad in the movie. She's not given that much to do. I mean, as, as an action heroine, as we'll get to later, there's some good stuff. But, um, otherwise, there's no, there's just little, like, little thing. Aces go places, remember? But, you You just have to bring more confidence and even the parachuting sequence and there, there's a similar one in um either part one or two that is wonderfully captured and it's just so cool because the the atmos is great like Sam Hoy is you know gliding that, from that building having stolen that bag and the he' got places theme is going this is fun and here is just sort of someone's hang gliding and yeah. it's uh, <laughs> yeah i guess that's fun for that person who could do that but there's no i i don't feel any confidence by the filmmakers here they're they're uh deadly afraid of failing and uh and they did
0: exactly i mean Carlo as a director i i didn't know he directed i think this was probably his first directing job uh, which you could probably tell i uh, looking back at it and doing some research i think it was i know he was assistant and director one on some productions.
1: You're very right. You're very right. He did two movies. The second one was great. Uh, you remember No Problem 2 with Yumbio. Uh, yeah, Biel. with
0: Yumbio. Yeah, yeah. And from an action director, he was always good. And you, you'll recognize his face. You, you'll know him. He, look him up. He's been in loads. He's been in everything. But as an action director, he's good. But as a directing, you yeah, no, just wrong. You needed someone familiar with the... Or maybe he was familiar with the series, but missed it. I, I don't know where the disconnect was. Maybe it's the, or Maybe it's Raymond Wong. I, I don't know why. Mm. It didn't work. The chemistry, you know, you get back to you know Alan Tam and and Tony Leung. I I liked Tony Leung as a a drunken heat man as a as a theory.
1: That was a wonderful like. Okay, let's reverse genre um, elements, genre cliches. Wonderful idea.
0: Yeah, wonderful idea. It just didn't translate. I suppose I like that character the best in the movie. There's not a lot to pick you can like, but I kind of like because I liked that. Him as that as a drunken hitman. What a great idea! It's a brilliant idea. It should work. It should be actually quite funny as well.
1: And we're also in the nineties, which means that gunplay is still on people's minds. So it's a it's a it's a perfectly fine idea. There are scenes. I mean, early on, Alan Tam doesn't make a good impression either as an actor or a character. He when they go to a funeral, he trips on a step like a step and falls on his face. Ha ha ha! But I I did like the little scene in the um. In the whole, um, their boardroom where he is introduced to the fact that, well, this is your chair now. Like, uh, your father has died. And he doesn't want to sit in the chair like a kid who doesn't want to sit in, in his place. Like, so he tries to get away from the chair like he's uh, seven years old or something. Oh, make me. Uh. So I, I like that. Um, I, I like that a little bit. And also their back and forth, uh, Tony's and Alan's back and forth doing that sequence where, they fast track his training to become an to become an assassin, right? Because uh, it's Alan who needs to uh, take revenge uh, on on his father, and it has some droll back and forth banter that I chuckle at, right? Uh, there, there's a little uh, scene where Tony is putting together the gun using one hand you know he does it off screen and he's put together a gun from you know 12 pieces or whatever to one solid piece and it fires and alan tam is asked to do it and um and he does and he brings it back look look i did it oh oh you did it it only took me an hour yeah <laughs> and okay fine fine verbal you know, verbal droll, quiet low key back and forth but it's it's so it, it's highlights if there was supposed to be you know 100 highlights this is like two of, among two or three that actually worked and and that's not good enough.
0: No, it isn't. There's a bit in that as well where he shoots Leslie Chung and then looks at the camera. So I don't know what that was. That was a tongue in cheek to, you know, I don't know.
1: Referencing like that can be very funny, but also can be very forced. Wong Jing does that at, when he's at his worst. He starts like referencing stuff from modern uh-huh. culture. And you just sort of go, well, it's funny for them, but it's not funny for us. At one point, you see a picture of Raymond Wong, who wrote and produced this. It's a Mandarin film, so it's there for Raymond Wong. And he says, like, well, he's honest, so I'm not going to shoot him. Ha, ha, ha. I yeah, mean, no, uh, it, no, it isn't no, funny. No, I mean. When
0: they're going to laugh after that. No, we're not going to. Like you say, like it's forced. It's too forced.
1: I, I mean, I mentioned the airplane, right? Uh, you know, speaking of Peter Grace, and, uh, yeah. you know, when it, when it works, it works so well. I mean, they, the little kid who goes into the cabin are like, have you ever been to a Turkish prison? But, uh, he says like, well, you're, you're Kareem Abdul Jabbar. But no, no. Like yes, you are, and it's so so like he's hot. Let's put him in a movie and reference the fact that he's a basketball yeah. player, and it's super funny because they just focus on okay, how can we, what can we do, rather than just push everybody into a frame, yell action, and uh, be yourselves because you're yourself. That's funny, and that sort of attempt, that sort of style and uh, technique is what I'm sensing here. And again, that's not good enough at all. The vibe is forced, totally forced.
0: And coming on to obviously Christy Chung because it was a big deal made of her and her action and she did all her own stunts, I think they said.
1: At least one big one that looks uh, damn admirable. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it towards yeah, the end. Yeah,
0: and I think so. There was there was that to look forward to from it and there are action pieces in it, which obviously I, I look forward to. So you kind of like then going to, you go away from the comedy and it's not quite working with the chemistry and you go, okay, well, let's kind of look at the action and you know, you start the movie with an admirable kind of opening scene, although they do really give uh, Pepsi a good um, advert, you know, and they just smash that guy through the Pepsi cans.
1: Well, they wear empty was... Pepsi cans to boot, so <laughs> that's stupid. Or well, they do it in Rumble in the Bronx even, you know, in the, in the store, So, uh, so who wants to fall through? Uh, that many Pepsi cans, uh, but uh, you know, you're your Hong Kong stuntman. You've been blown up on screen by the likes of Sammo Hung and John Woo before, so get in there. And, uh, yeah, fall, fall, in there. F- fall into like I'm, I was almost burned to death on Eastern Condors. I'm the director. You fall into full Pepsi cans. No, <laughs> okay, fine.
0: <laughs> so the progression of the characters and obviously the story, like so, so he becomes a heat man and then obviously he's going to track it down, and he's got he's got a killer uh, because of uh, of a Killing his father and stuff, which Alan Tam also plays. By the way, he plays yeah, his own. Yeah, Alan Tam also plays in a flashback scene and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't, yeah, this, yeah. I'm by that time, I'm just like I'm watching it because I have to. I'm just trying to find things to like about it. And you know, there's a musical interlude in there somewhere as well. And I'm like, why, 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 why would you do that? I, I'm not quite sure. It's just I'm clutching at something to like about the movie at that point.
1: Yeah, this is precious little. I mean, some some things are half amusing the way that uh, Christy Chung, Tony says that that's the enemy and then that all, they turn out to like each other. You have a little bit, you know, uh, two pairs of romantic interludes going on here. Uh, so, t- here. So, Tam starts getting on the side of Christy Chung and saving her and uh, amidst all of that we get some decent comedy stunt work to take note of, you know, cars uh, running through ladders that people are hanging on to so that's, uh, you know, painters because that's classic uh, classic action comedy, someone's painting somewhere, something somewhere, there's a ladder somewhere, let's drive through it and all, all good stuff but it's like a little ping. yeah, fine, but I, I don't think we can save this movie the, having little things here and here and there that last for a millisecond. I would... There's nothing bad with giving someone a chance to direct, but uh, seeing as this is more zany and cartoony, verging a little bit towards the Stephen Chow style of the 90s, I would rather had seen someone who directed Stephen before, brought yeah. in. You know, uh, he, because he worked with a couple of directors, you know, um, uh, main being Li Chi. obviously he worked with Wong Jing, Um. Gordon Chan directed Stephen as well. Uh, Vincent Koch. So uh, Gordon did uh, the first two Fight Back to School movies oh, with uh, Stephen. So, but Chin but Callow doesn't seem confident enough uh, for comedy here. Uh, and uh, that's what you needed because that's what it's designed as. You know, there's further lame stuff. I mean, we want like sh- shit on the movie for forever and ever, but I, I, I'm going to give you a further example of my God wouldn't have been, wouldn't it have been great if it worked? Because it's so surreal and loony. Mm. The sister of Christy Chung's character, she's stupid. She's super, super stupid. Because at one point, and it could have been funny, at one point Tony Long is talking to her and she says at one point, well, smallpox is a pretty flower. And uh, how, how many days uh, does uh, each month have? Like 28 days. Of course. <laughs> Are you stupid? Yeah. It's but stupid. it's sort of, yeah, Very lame. I don't get a chuckle out of uh, comedic rhythm being off, you know, uh, despite being so stupid and silly. Simon Lloyd turns up as a henchman bit, with big glasses and I think he lisps every now and again as well. Huh, huh, huh. You admire those people who get the uh, gag a minute vibe right. You mm-hmm. know, whether Hong Kong or in Western uh, yeah. in Western cinema. But when it doesn't work, man, you just see this
0: train wreck of uh, people probably having fun making it. Yeah, and I'm sure they do. And you're right. I think comedy is an art form. To get. It's an absolute art form for the writers and the actors to deliver that because you've got to have the chemistry. You've got to have that timing. And that's what it's all about. It's the timing and the timing of the gag. You're going to make a bad joke good just by the timing. You know, Malcolm and Wise did it. I'm going, go on, we're dragging them up now. But, you know... It's difficult to have to make comedy work. Action films, you can make work. Let's just throw a load of action at the end. And they go, you yeah, know, it was a decent film. I enjoyed the action. But comedy, you've got to remember the, the set pieces, the interaction with the the uh, actors and actresses. You've got to remember those lines. And, oh, you, I remember that line. And, you know, you mess up the lines by telling somebody else because they deliver it so well because it sticks with you. Comedy is difficult to direct. It's difficult to make people laugh. Anybody can not anybody can make an actual film lesser. But anybody can do something and put it out on the screen. But to have timings and the actors and the writers and comedic and the rapport it is difficult to do. And then you've got to get a director that gets that as well. So it's just a, it's just a mess, to be honest. Yeah. It really was. And,
1: and I'm sorry if I'm getting back to airplane better stuff, but ju- just imagine if the Leslie Nielsen stuff in that movie wouldn't have worked. Because it's all about him plane Completely straight. You know, just genius stuff like, is anybody a doctor? And they turn to him, he's sitting in his seat on the airplane with the stethoscope in his ears. <laughs> I'm a doctor. And it's not like, hey, I'm a doctor. Hey, hey, yeah. what's going on? It's yeah. just him being a matter of fact. And that's genius. I don't know how it's done right. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, sinking. Everybody's sinking. And here is a case for. Actors that could do drama, comedy, action, horror, whatever, and they have synced before. But there's a case where they don't. The only streak I could find is uh, where two where I where I have my two free chuckles, like two free gags in a row. It, it involves at one point uh, Alan Tam is facing off in the, uh, against his like big burly henchman, and they're sizing each other up. He gets a call, uh, the henchman. And his stocks have gone up. So he's rich now. So he doesn't do this stuff, need to do this stuff anymore. And he walks off. Fine. I kind of like that. And that, then we cut to a scene with Ron's, is, is, uh, chewing out, uh, Simon Loy and, uh, the other henchman, henchman. Might have been Moses Chan. I have no desire to look up that now. And there he cuts off their ears and flushes them down the toilet, which is a nice little gruesome, morbid thing. And I thought like, okay, you got a streak now movie, last 30 40 let's uh no momentum just down the toilet as well talk action my friend was there anything compelling in the action
0: my friend you know i was looking forward to you know Chrissy chung did her own stunts there was that highlight of the movie although um i suspect her throwing herself through that window she probably didn't do but from an action point of view in the fight scene she did because you can see her and you know she comes off quite well for those kind of films, you know, they they were all doing it at the time and she, she looks the part and she does a decent job, you know, the action kind of thing. The action scenes are adequate and you think, okay, it breaks the monotony of the, the supposed comedic uh, interludes in between. And and then you think that, obviously, Billy Chow comes along. <laughs> Everybody likes Billy Chow. God, here he comes.
1: Can I just bring it back a little bit before Billy Chow? Because yeah. if you look at the action before the ending, I don't know if you noticed this, I did. I like the action, uh, the the ending uh, choreography. That's all pretty good stuff. Before that, as admirable as it is, seeing Christy Chung uh, taking on all these henchmen, they're fighting with uh, plastic furniture, you know, sexy stuff like that, the action is a little too stiff and runs a few frames too long sometimes. Therefore, yes. it lacks... Full punch, even in the acrobatic gunplay.
0: Oh yeah, no, th- th- there's no. It isn't going to be. It isn't going to stay with me in my memory. It was adequate in the fact that the movie was that bad. It was just something that relieved um, the grimness of it all. <laughs> but from <laughs> an action scene point of view, it will never be in the. the it sounded uh,
1: like you were watching a movie about the
0: Holocaust or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it isn't that. It isn't that bad, folks. No, well, I don't know. The action was, yeah, it was okay. I mean, like I say, they build it as so she did her own stunts, and yeah, she did her own fight scene. And it was good from that point. You know, I looked forward to those, and it was adequate, as we say, but it, it wasn't, you know, anything groundbreaking. It isn't going to, you know, gonna wow, I need to watch that again. but never see it again, it won't, that's fine. It was just, it was something to look forward to within the movie because I thought, okay, she's doing her own fight scene. I should, they build it as that at the time as well so I thought oh, okay we'll look forward to that and he yeah like, so, so okay she pulled it off but
1: but I think it all I think it all comes together better for the ending though uh, both yeah. uh, editing wise and the action scenarios and making it a live cartoon there's a live cartoon gag that is probably the best I'll, I'll tell it later yeah. uh, pr- probably the best like okay now they got the cartoon vibe right uh you know live action cartoon vibe right but I think she holds her own against Billy Chow, which is a completely unfair match. Oh, right, really. yeah, completely. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because she's a woman, because but <laughs> Billy Chow is... Uh, if I said Billy Chong, I mean Billy Chow. He is, uh, you know, power personified, yeah. you know. Uh, maybe Dick Way would have a chance against Billy Chow. Yeah, oh, yeah that, that's the yeah. So but, but it's it's done for comedy. She keeps up very well, and the power translates the best throughout the movie in the ending fight scenes. Mm. The editing is sharper, and she, the, the stunt that she does, the spin and then the fall into the yeah. glass table, yeah. that goes in slow motion, and I think it's repeated as well. That is her. And uh, she sold pain. I don't know if it was painful, but uh, sh- that's a, a nice little standout moment, and all of a sudden he- here's the movie I think they were trying to make. And they can only do it for the last 5-10 uh, minutes, action-wise. Um,
0: Without a doubt. Yeah, the la, the last 10 minutes, there's no way in it. You're not going to save the movie with it, but it was it was almost that's what the movie should have been and could have been, and everything was thrown at it, and everything worked for those last 10 minutes. You had the comedic tones, you had the stunts, you had sharp action choreography, or certainly better than it was, um for the first three quarts of the movie, you know everything kind of come together for that moment. It was just it was completely too late to say it, that.
1: it is i mean it's sort of amusing that uh, he now is a drunken gun play hero too too alan Tan, but i but I wouldn't say it's uh comedic goal it's just that he drinks like a vat of whatever he drinks, and then uh, yeah again,
0: drunken master man. Tony Long does a gun, a drunken master with guns gun play and it he, it's clever. And yeah, Alan Tam, you know, all of a sudden does that drunken my you know, he's all drunken a whole gallon of this and Tony Lung's looking at it. You know, it all kinda of worked, it kinda of works for that moment, but you're so clouded by the previous Yes,
1: exactly. It only works because you're looking for anything at that <laughs> point and thinking, then
0: Yeah, and absolutely.
1: So, um that's uh, but but uh, but I think the the only sort of gag that works according to what I thought was the, their intentions, is how they take out Francis's character. Which is totally Looney Tunes. And <laughs> I think it totally works. I mean, he's yeah. uh, trapped in this um, garbage can. And they throw a grenade in the garbage can, and he blows up. But he, he, we don't get, like, you know, intestines and gore flying about the place. You know, he blows up like a cartoon villain would. And he is taken out that way. And I you know, it's not enough to get it right once in a movie where you're trying to get it right all the time. But there was the tone that I know they were going for. They got it right for, you know, once or twice per character, let's say. But so far from the mark that you uh, you just sort of, you're, you're glad when it's when it's over, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, when they say, I think it turns around at some point and he says, oh, you know, the bad guys yeah, you got away and said, oh, sorry, we'll get him in the next episode. And you think, oh, God, no. Oh. Don't, don't. No, you won't get him in the next episode. There'll be no more of this. I'm blind. I can't take any more.
1: And you know, think back to No Problem 2, which is, um, it was a Japanese Hong Kong co-production. Chin directed. First one, I think, Alfred Chung directed. Uh, so it wasn't all Japanese uh, Japanese crew. That was, by all intents and purposes, a big John Woo parody. And Chinkalok had game performers uh, with witty script you know, parroting Jong Woo, like, what a genius move, jeez, how's that gonna be? And as a matter of fact, no no problem too, Bon it's quite alright. I enjoy that movie. It was fun seeing these, uh, John Woo parodies. Ching Ka Lok was, had the comedic tone very much spot on. Yum byu is funny as hell. And yeah. uh, I Colin Chow, is the bad guy. And it, it comes together in a sim, in a fashion that I think Ching wanted Aces Go Places 97 to come together. So skip this one. Check out No Problem too. It's, um, p- people know of it, but it's sort of been lost to time a little bit, but, um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I had, had fun with that. It's not the greatest discovery of the millennium or anything, but and it's not great just because Asus Got Places was wasn't, because I I'd seen No Problem 2 before this was my first viewing of this. But I if you haven't seen it then, then check it out Phil because it shows everybody um everybody getting the formula right. There's a lot of things thrown at the screen as always with the insane comedies, parodies. But a lot of it works. And the vibe is fun, and I was asking for that out of this one, didn't get it, and I hope to never speak of it again. So, not in time for this one, because he, he's, he's. I mean, it's not his fault for early, but he's certainly not funny, and he it, it doesn't break through... Other than in some banter back and forth, but even with the gunplay stuff towards the end, I was sort of watching it, not seeing like, "Oh my god, he's elevating everything." No, <laughs> not really.
0: He's elevating everything. So he's
1: not the he's not the one who ruins the film. It's the sort of I, I think it goes back to the behind the scenes persons. Well,
0: yeah. Although, oh, no, and, and that is the best bit of the film. It's the obviously the the outtakes, the hilarious outtakes at the end. Oh, do they look like they're having so much fun they were having fun i guess they, I mean, were, they, they finished production and it was you know tony Lund was doing his best there
1: yeah they do a freeze frame thing but the camera keeps rolling so they keep uh standing there freezing uh fr- freezing in place and Lok and crew are, are pouring champagne all of them ha 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 we're done now
0: i, I think i i enjoyed that scene the best because i knew it was over when I mean, the credits were coming yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah that was that was that was great but yeah definitely not team time for this one he's um and after Mummy Darist earlier, he's ruined it because, you know, I quite enjoyed that. Damn him. Damn him, Tam.
1: And as for availability, Universe handled the DVD release, but I believe they reused the cinema print or uh, the transfer for the laser disc, so it has burned in subtitles, uh, uh, which is all watchable, of course. But the DVD is hard to get; uh, it might be out of print, uh, so because it, is, it isn't listed in stock anywhere. But I did manage to buy the Gary's Trading VCD this year, so there is one option still out there. Obviously, cheap, seeing that it's a VCD. Uh, so if you want to try that, then uh, then that's your option. So we'll see if um, we have one more hell Town time crapping our in us because I do want to based on the idea that Jay had on the uh, Facebook group I do want to tally it up to sort of see if we truly are team time or not at the end of the day and uh, by looking back at our likes and dislikes of the movies uh, so uh, even though it, we might be sort of what two movies are we gonna like? like maybe we need to pay, pick random movies just to do another episode. But I'll get to work uh, doing that. I mean, let's have a little little cheeky scan at the filmography here while we while we uh, have the opportunity. I mean, uh, you can. Uh, I mean, I I want to see, but I don't know if you want to, the sequel to once upon a time in here in China. I know what you're
0: going to say. I know, I know. Because I, I
1: liked him as Wong Fei-Hung. I thought he was funny. The, the, the useless Wong Fei-Hung.
0: We'll do it as long as you can find another one that I'll potentially like, which kind of defleets the object, really. But I, I'm already going to go into that, the second one, I'm going, I'm going to hate it. Although it might surprise me, I very much do well, We
1: might as well do. I don't remember if I thoroughly liked the movie, but I liked the idea of it. Uh, the early 80s horror comedy Till Death Do We Scare. It's uh, directed by uh, Lau Gao Wing, uh, David Chang, uh, Raymond Wong, blah blah blah, uh, Eric Tsang. But it, it's sort of a coup that production was that they got uh, Tom Savini to do the makeup effects. You know, Tom Savini, uh, famous makeup artist for Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, Maniac, Friday the Thirteenth. They got, oh, okay. they, they got him to. It's not a gory showcase. It's because it's a ghost comedy. But it's sort of a little coup for Hong Kong cinema and cinema city to get Tom. To get in there to make up for a Hong Kong comedy, so if we do till death do we scare, and uh, the second Wong Fei Hung movie he did, which was called it was not a two uh, Master Wong versus Master Wong. (laughs) What a lovely imaginative title!
0: (laughs) Yes, maybe it's two of him. (laughs) (laughs) There's two of him. My God, no.
1: So, uh, if you're, uh, should should we do a Pinky Promise uh, thing here? Till death, do we scare Master Wong versus Master Wong and then we tally it up after that?
0: Sounds like a plan. I'm I'm scanning through it. There's nothing that's really smacking me in the face here. So, yeah, I think that sounds like a plan. Let's do that. I I know you, yeah, let's do that.
1: Yeah. Because we we can't like ser- search out cameos and make it Alan Tam crapping hour like romancing star too where he plays himself in elevator
0: team Tam I'm totally team Tam for the cameos yeah, that's it, yeah <laughs> I know I know let's do full contact where he where he's a singer in it yes is he really definitely team Tam yeah 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 well on.
1: we're doing that for the future Ringo Lamb coverage anyway so it's uh, gonna and also some of the earlier romantic comedies that Ringo did with Alan that's gonna be done in that com uh, coverage too you know. Um uh, uh, outside of gentleman, spirit the more, and things like that, but till death do we scare. as I said, I don't remember it being an exceptional film, but it has talking points. Seeing the Western talent they got for that movie, yeah, and uh, exactly. so
0: yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I look forward to that one. I think so. Uh, you've you've turned me around. My God, do do we think, Kenny, this is the end of the crapping hour for Alan Tam?
1: Well, most people would be happy, I think, to see to see it finally end. Their little in joke is finally done. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know. I've quite enjoyed the ride. To be honest, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a sad day to see him go from my life.
1: Well, we'll we'll see if we in the end. Like him or not, and we have to stand stand by it too. I have a feeling it's gonna be fifty fifty for some reason. Yeah,
0: so do, I. so do I. What do we do now? Oh. No tallying up before we do the last two, just so you can, like, swing it either way.
1: You know what we have to do? It's akin to that old Monty Python sketch, the hide-and-seek sketch, where the hide-and-seek results are the same, and they play <laughs> for, like, 40 years, right? So if we're 50-50, we'll have to go back again. I
0: <laughs> will have to go back and <laughs> see if there's off.
1: different views after a year or two of coverage. No, we're not going to do that, but uh, it's... Um, you and I are going to return anyway. We've already decided to talk of... Um, Sam Hongs uh, The Bodyguard, and uh, the Jackie Chan movie, Police Story, Lockdown.
0: Ah, oh, yes, yeah, bringing it um, somewhat up to date, which, is, uh, which will be exciting, will it? Well, you'll have to wait and find out.
1: Not seeing either of them, but I think both of them look compelling. To be honest, they do. I mean, I like uh, the yeah. vibe I get, especially from The Bodyguard, but we'll get into that uh, some other time. I'll, I'll, I'll just repeat one thing. The moment people said this is more of a drama than an action movie, boom, in. Because samo drama is all like uh, porn for me.
0: Oh, we will say nothing and we'll, we'll catch up on it. But, you, but you're right. just Just for a, a quick outline. It, it isn't an action film. That's that's all I'm saying. So if you go into it like that, that's all you need to know, really. Excellent,
1: excellent. Well, uh, we'll conclude this one then. Where we were one Team Sam and one not Team Sam. So this episode, one all.
0: One all, a draw, ball score, draw we'll redo
1: the episode now <laughs> no 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 so uh, this has been Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire network our little sub-series the Allentown crapping hour and uh, it's uh, f- soon over this is, soon it's over and uh, we are uh, located on podcastonfire.com all our other shows on a variety of Hong Kong cinema Taiwanese Japanese Korean audio commentaries and of Cinema all available there including bonus episodes every now and again a bonus episode where will be produced in the future where Phil G and I go through the rest of the Allentown filmography it's gonna last 87 hours yay where we <laughs> the rest of them, all of them, just on a loop. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, email us if you have any questions or feedback and opinions of Tan, Podcast on fire on at googlemail.com. Check us out on our various social media by following the buttons to uh, uh, on our website, to our Facebook, our Twitter, to our iTunes feed, and to our Stitcher radio feed, the place where you stream us either on their website or you can download the applications available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I write about uh, a bite about these kind of uh, Alan Tam movies and a variety of genres over at SoGoodReviews.com. My video review every now and again on SleazyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Phil, you don't have a dedicated Alan Tam archive on your website, but uh, where is your website regardless of what is it called?
0: I might, I might, I might, I might put one there. I might put a little, little heading at the top, Alan Tam, and just leave it there. I might. In fact, I might do it. Okay, watch to- me. Watch <laughs> me do it. www.easternfilmfans.co.uk. Also available on Facebook and Twitter. And just for you folks, not that you've asked for it, but you're getting it anyway. Asian news. The bottom line is back. Yes, Makes it's sense. back. All your news in one place. Check out the website. Check it out! Latest trailers, latest news—it's all there.
1: What was what, what was Highland's latest movie? Like, uh, see if there's any newsworthy stuff there. I know he doesn't do movies a lot, and I, I know he's mostly, you know, hanging hanging around Kennedy, not me, on Facebook Live and stuff. I <laughs> yeah, I
0: love Hong Kong. 2013 in 2013 was his like, lo- yeah, his a list.
1: couple of a uh, couple of the Lunar New Year ones there. I know he had a fun cameo in Men Suddenly in Black. Yeah, uh, it's it's what it's just uh, I don't know. It's a fun movie, and someone f- someone shakes his hand and and uh, someone applauds for the main character or the main character thinks, but I think they're applauding for Alan Tam instead, and he's saying like Hi, how you doing? And I was like, Oh, cool, cool. It's a fun it's a fun movie about cheating. <laughs> no, not for the crapping hour, but uh, for the fact that uh, Pang Ho Chung, you know, uh, his second movie, still a celebrated director, you know, Dream Home. Isabella, um, hardcore comedy might have been his. So, Valgaria was his. Uh, so, he's uh, still going strong. And this is a. Uh, Men's Sadly in Black was almost made like a John Woo, Michael uh, Bay style of. As a Michael Bay style of action movie about cheating. You know, it was that very. <laughs> in slow motion and stuff. Good, stupid fun. I liked it.
0: Actually, I got some of the- Edmund Pang's um, films to watch. I think I've got that, Isabella. And I think I've got Aberdeen somewhere, which is the last one he did, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, as always, I have a, a monumental pile of films that I really need to watch. As so do
1: uh, the laser discs uh, keep uh, piling up as well but we are concluding this episode and uh, this has been uh, Podcast on Fire uh, on Mamadero's and uh, 97 Go Asus Go Places uh, one all as we said and uh, we'll return next episode uh, with Till Death Do We Scare and uh, I should be able to find Monster Wong versus Monster Wong that's the plan anyway so second Wong Fei Hong movie for just for Phil G uh, starring Alan Tam but anyway I've been Kenobi and with me was Phil G to discuss these uh, two movies so say goodbye buddy
0: goodbye.
1: Farewell. Hello, my name is Alan (laughs) And the series is finally over. Can you guys leave me alone? (laughs)